Hi everyone, and welcome back to Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. You're back with me, Simon Kruger, the Grad Comms Officer at West Midlands Group. In part two of this episode, Nathan Craig continues his conversation with Mark Seymour and Harmahind Damu from DPIRD, talking about all things chickpeas. Let's jump right back in. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast. Mark, did you have any comments as you were travelling around oh. the countryside looking at trials? Oh, well, I think there's a couple of things that we picked up, maybe not so much last year, but in other years when I've been hanging around Harmahinda looking at trials and stuff, probably a comment that the grass, you know, Grass herbicides are used at sowing, so the residual herbicides, the treflams and so on, can sometimes at higher rates can touch up chickpeas a little bit. Get You get some silly seed syndrome type of thing. And, uh, you know, so you want to be a little bit, you know, check the label because sometimes people, you know, just get in the habit of piling it on. So the chickpeas, you want to check what the label says for each product um, because it's sometimes a bit lower than you think it would be. And, uh, again, we want people to get a good, good start. The other thing I've noticed, with, you know, you get onto the heavier soils where they've got medic pasture background is the um, probably the importance of in any mix you have, most of the chemicals that you use won't control the medics or, or clovers, whereas uh, balance, isofoxo, I can never say the word, so let's call it balance, um, <laughs> uh, Isofsof- does. all. Yeah, that's why I've got Harmo on the gig. Um, to <laughs> to uh, it really does make a difference with that medic control. Otherwise, you're chasing your tail with that, and it can sometimes it's the weed. So it's important to think of if you've got a pasture background. Yep. Yeah, and if you you know if you're, if you're a one stop shop, the Palmyro TX that Harmo's mentioned has that mix of balance plus a turbine um, all together, and that's been a pretty Pretty effective chemical in these trials, uh, along with, you know, we really like what Reflex does for that longer radish control. So I think, you know, that's a good place to start with those couple of products, I think. Yeah. In terms of, um, I guess, the, the big change, you mentioned then that, you know, watching, checking your rates for chickpea for all your common herbicides you'd normally use, um, you know, like Treflam, which does have a lower rate. Do you want, want to... Yeah, so one, you've got lower, potentially some lower rates that you can use for common herbicides, but then also there's you know, one of the benefits of lupins is being able to crop top. So is there any kind of replacement or, you know, like an alternative option that's going to give you a bit better control in chickpeas that either you don't use in lupins or is not available? Not to my knowledge. Harmo, jump in if you know, but again, in the southern areas, we sometimes see the grass herbicides looking like they're touching up the chickpeas a little bit visually. We don't we haven't got any information to show that it's causing any yield loss or causing, you know, one of the things we talk about is whether the nodules get knocked off a bit by that setback. Uh, again, we don't. This is all just observations and speculations. So yeah, we haven't really got that. I think, you know, from my point of view, where we're using normal rates of uh the treflams and uh, ultros and stuff like that. Uh, and we have often our plots have, you know, widely spaced gaps and uh, I don't really see it, you know, so it's probably a worse situation than farmers. It's not really that the chickpea plots end up being 
uh, much more grassy than other products where we may use different higher rates or are more competitive early on. So I don't really see them as a the grass we control, in my mind at least, as, as a weakness of chickpeas. I think you've got enough ways of approaching it. It would be, you know, it'd be lovely if we had a crop topping option, but with the current, the way that they mature and, the, you know, they leave everything quite late to filling seeds, that uh, doesn't seem to be an option. You know, we're going to have to change the type of plant. And, uh, you know, in some areas, you know, we've tried up at Gerald from Martin Harris, tried a range of different varieties that we, uh, we thought might be early maturing and all that sort of thing. And it worked one year and then the second year, the same varieties were some of the last to mature. So, you know, we're scratching our heads going, what's going on? So uh, we haven't been able to crack that one. Yeah, yeah. so it's a bit tricky. Yeah, I think our experience in, on the agronomy side is that you know, if you've got a good plan to start with and you've got everything planned out, we we haven't seemed to have any issues with both grasses or broadleaves in our chickpea trials. Where we did have a lot of ryegrass was in the first year where we didn't quite have the package right. We didn't put propizomide out up front. And some of the plots in this trial that we where we were at, uh, we weren't using all of the plots. So we I went in the spray topped and but then we still harvested them and the yield losses were horrific, you know, the forty odd percent loss. From, from that spray top, as, as you've mentioned before. So mm. I think, yeah, what, what I've seen around the place is just getting the package right and having a plan for a start, the same as with your herbicides, uh, sorry, your fungicides, getting them right. So, and Nathan, you know, from the grass weed control point of view, you know, like Sakura, Boxagol, uh, and Dimethamid, these sort of herbicides, they're quite effective on ryegrass and they are gestured on chickpeas. So the farmers, they can use those those products, you know, if they want to, you know, if they have a sort of serious uh, issue of grass weeds in, in the paddocks where they're growing uh, chickpeas. Yeah. Probably one other comment based on people phoning me up last year, I guess because we did have such a good start and there was a, you know, reasonable expectation that all your crops going to look okay. And I think last year in particular, we were having people phoning up, finding parts of their farm where the chickpeas weren't doing that well. And in, I reckon in all of them, it came back to some sort of IMI residue. So in other years, you know, when the crops, you know, struggling with moisture and whatnot, they may not have picked it up, whereas last year it was obvious whether they had some overlaps or some extra chemical going out, they were really knocking their crop around. So the chickpeas, you know, are pretty sensitive to IMI residues and SU residues. So it's, bear that in mind too, the choices, uh, you know, hopefully... We'll have such a good year this year that we will see more of that damage But because everything else will be doing well. But uh, it is something to bear in mind. If you're in that system, chickpeas, you know, may not be the best choice in some paddocks and or you need to change your system if you want to get, get into chickpeas and you're a heavy IMI user. You know, there are going to be IMI tolerant chickpeas in the not too far away, which will solve that problem. But until that time, you can really come unstuck. Uh, not over the whole paddocks, but in the areas and so on. So just bear that in mind, I think. Yeah, one of the uh, – we've been caught a couple of times with selecting trial sites, although averted disaster, but in one of our projects we've been looking at a double break crop rotation where we're following, looking to follow chickpeas after canola. So hopefully the canola's already done a lot of the heavy lifting <coughs> for weed control. But a common common practice uh, definitely in our, our area is to, you know, 
put some uh, some metsulfur on in the in the summer spray to you know, tidy up the volunteer canola and the likes, which then you know, renders the paddock unsuitable for growing chickpeas. So yeah, it's, it's a matter of as you say, kind of planning out and being aware of what potential residues could be around. Harmy, did you have a comment? Yes, I think you know chickpeas are very sensitive to you know sulfonylurea residues. So especially if you suppose apply you know in the uh, sulfonylureas for the summer weed control, you need to be careful. You know use your rate accordingly so that you don't get any residues in the in the in the, in the crop season. You know otherwise maybe use another product if you're planning to grow chickpeas in that paddock. So I mean definitely they're very sensitive. And as Mark said, you know if we got Emi-tolerant or uh, SU-tolerant chickpeas, that would be good good for that sort of paddocks, you know, where we use uh, SUs for summer weed control. And uh, other thing I want to, just want to add one more thing from the trials. Quite often we are being asked by farmers and consultants, you know, whether, you know, herbicide, they have any impact on uh, chickpea nodules or nitrogen fixation because chickpeas are actually in the rotation from nitrogen fixation point of view, contributing nitrogen in the system. So we actually, from these two trials, we, from the selected treatments like, you know, reflux, train, Palmyra TX, and three-way mix of, you know, simazine diuron and balance, we took plant samples, and then we did the assessment on nodules, and we didn't actually find any negative effect on nodules as compared to untreated control. So generally, uh, I think under good growing conditions, uh, these herbicides, they don't actually create any negative effect on uh, nodules. On the nodulation side, it, it is important for chickpea because they're generally there isn't always or there's not too much background inoculant there. So you definitely want to make sure every nodule is there and working. So, yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So I think we've covered, a, you know, I guess, two of the big questions one what and where do we sow and then two you know some of the agronomy and the herbicide considerations and also the fungicide considerations i guess to kind of pull it all together mark have you kind of got three golden rules for growing chickpeas i've sort of said it already but uh, get clean seed so if you're buying seed ask them what the ascochyta test result was and if it's not zero investigate getting a zero seed from somewhere of course that you know as time goes on you may not be able to get that and then the second one is i think every well it is a rule every crop of chickpeas should be treated with ppkt fungicide seed seed dressing you know we've been doing i've been doing as i said this stuff for over 30 years and every single chickpea trial that gets done gets seed treated uh, with that product so we know uh, that it works and we know that it can make a difference, not only for ascochyta, but if you're, particularly if you're in uh, going earlier into warmer conditions uh, that are hopefully wet, or if you're in a higher rainfall areas, you get some pythiums, those sort of things that attack chickpeas because they don't have a lot of tannins in their seed, whereas beans and field peas and some of the other crops will have that brown, that seed coat, that tannin in the seed, and they tend to be natural uh, protectants, whereas the chickpeas don't have that. You know, Kabuli chickpeas are even worse because they're, you know, they're just about completely bleached-looking seed. So they need that seed dressing to help combat those. So on occasion, not very often, but on occasion, I've been called out and, and there's nothing coming up and you dig it up and the seeds are rotting 
and uh, that's untreated seed. So that's another reason for doing it. And then that early early spray. So this, those are the three things. Those are the three things that if you get wrong, it all goes horribly wrong and it doesn't matter what you do from then on. Uh, and unfortunately, as I said, occasionally that happens. Even in the low rainfall areas, that happens. So I know it sounds, you know, a bit over the top to tell you to do all these products and plan for everything up front to do that for a break crop, but you'll thank me in the long run. You may have seven years where it didn't matter, and then you have three years where it's a complete disaster. And if those first three years are the first three years you try to grow it, you'll never grow them again. So, you know, if, if everything goes well, the yields are going to be okay, apart from, you know, real bad years when everything's bad. You know, the, the yields are going to be 700 kilos to two tonnes. I think they're worth, you know, the five-year average is $730 a tonne. So you don't have to have too high a yield to make it pay. You know, and there aren't many pulse rate crops that uh, you can lock in that you're probably going to make money. So, you know, it's worth spending that money up front. Yeah, definitely, and it's worth bearing in mind that it, it is a high-value crop, so, you know, you want to do your best you can to capture as, as much value. So, Harmahim, yeah. do you have your kind of three golden rules or your top things from the herbicide or agronomy perspective? That's not think, you know, should be being a high-value uh, pulse crop. I think choose paddock, which has a low weed burden because chickpea generally they are poor compared to against weeds. And then according uh, select, because we have a range of uh, herbicides available for chickpeas. So select herbicides according to the weed spectrum present in your paddock. And uh, generally, I think, you know, balance is quite effective on broadleaf uh, weeds. Uh, balance of isoxaflutol or any similar product. We are not promoting balance here. So any, any similar product. And uh, mix with, you know, triazines, I think better to mix with the uh, terbutalazine compared to simazine because we have seen more damage with simazine compared to terbutalazine under high moisture situation, okay? And then from the resistance management point of view in weeds, you can mix maybe even with the new products like, you know, reflux or train uh, because they are from different mode of action. So depending upon the weed, weed spectrum or weed species present in the paddock, uh, I think plan your herbicide or herbicide mixtures. And I think aim should be not only to control weeds and chickpeas, but to manage resistance and weeds in your system, you know. And to have a better nodulation, I think it is better to inoculate the seed so that even if there's any negative effect, that can be maybe offset by better sort of, you know, inoculation present in the, in the, in the near the roots. And also, as I mentioned before, post-seeding pre-margent application of herbicides can be damaging compared to IBS applications or before seeding applications, like, you know, if heavy rainfall is expected after application. You know. So be mindful of th- those sort of situations. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So I'll finish with one last kind of broader question, fun question. We ask at the end of most interviews and start off with you, Mark. What's kept you interested in agriculture for over 30 years? Uh, well, as I said, I've worked on pulses most of my life, so they're a challenge. <laughs> So uh, there's always something to be addressed. So there's always something to do. And as I said, there's so many different species of them that if you're bored about chickpeas and you go and work on lentils or field peas for for a minute. So, uh, yeah, it's a variety that's kept me going, I suppose. I have worked on the dark side in canola, which is fun. 
but it's not quite as much fun as working in pulses. And cereals is just too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I won't comment anymore on that. We'll uh, we'll, get, we'll, <laughs> we'll get backlash from the cereal breeders, the cereal people. Yeah, but um, Harma Hinder, what keeps you interested in agriculture? Uh, nothing. I come from uh, a farming family in India, and then I did my PhD in agriculture and. Uh, after doing PhD, I came to Australia since 1997. This year will be 25 years with the department in agriculture, doing research in weeds area. So I don't know I can do anything else than agriculture. I think agriculture search, you know. Yeah, it, um, I, it definitely I, I pick up on on that. It's what I've always done. And, and also yeah. uh, the, the challenge is always there from one season to the next. So, so yeah, thank you both for your time. Alrighty. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks. Cheers. That brings us to the end of part two of this Paddock Chat episode. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation, and we at WMG would like to extend our thanks to Mark and Hamahinda for being so generous with their time and knowledge. I do hope you've enjoyed this special episode as much as I've enjoyed recording it. The best way to receive our updates and to stay in the loop with the latest in local research and results is by becoming a West Midlands group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do at WMG and we pride ourselves on ensuring they receive relevant, timely and innovative information wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Becoming a WMG member ensures you'll save hours of your valuable time with easy access to the most relevant and up-to-date information you really need whenever you need it. Our membership gets you early access to our workshops, free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events and exclusive access to our member-only publications like our monthly e-newsletters and quarterly technical publication. For more info, visit our website where you can sign up anytime. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for more Paddock Chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.